picking up here in, in verse 16. We're going to finish up Acts chapter 16. We'll be into 17 next week. But as we, we dive into this, this text this morning, our main point is in Christ we are free. Now I want to pray for us in just a minute before we start going through the, the scriptures uh, this morning. But, but in Christ we are free. Now that sounds like something that it's like, of course we're free, like right? We've got our freedoms. But, but we're, we associate almost to a fault our freedom in Christ and our freedom as Americans so closely together. This isn't the, the you know, don't be proud of, of your country. This isn't uh, don't be proud of your uh, salvation. This is a message from God's word saying that we are to be so free as Christians that there's nothing that can stop us from carrying out the calling of God. There's no man that can scare us. There's no... Um, there's no demon that can control us. Sin no longer has a sting. Death no longer has sting. Sin no longer has dominion over you. And that's greater than any freedom any other man or country could ever give us. So the celebration for us this morning, the reason to praise God and to, to be loud and happy and to leave here ready to go and share the gospel is because we are free if we are in Christ and he in us. Amen? Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning that we could come together in spirit and in truth and in the fellowship of other believers. God, I pray that you would lead us in this time. God, I pray that you would just jump off the pages at us. God, that we, could, we would see this freedom that we also have. God, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't look at our testimony as any uh, less significant than that of the stories that we'll read this morning. We may not have demons cast out of us where someone's laying their hand on us and it leaves. We, we may not be in jail and, and, and the, the doors open wide for us to leave. But God, you have set us free. We praise you because of that. And Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by this text to go and share of this freedom that each and every person that you've created can have if they repent and believe Jesus, lead us and guide us. Thank you for sending your son to lay his life down for his sheep. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. So in Christ, we are free. We are free from bondage. We are free from death. And we are free to live freely for Christ. Those are our subpoints that we're going to look at this morning. In Christ, we are free, free from bondage, free from death, and we are free to live freely for Christ. First point, we are free from bondage. Pick up in verse 16 of Acts 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So we, we open up here with this, this girl, who it says is a slave girl, right? So she's, she's bound, right, physically and spiritually. We'll get into that. 
But what's really interesting is sometimes, you know, you read the text and it's just so obvious, right? You're like, all right, John 3, 16, you know, whoever believes in him, you know, he sent his only son to die for us, right? You shouldn't perish but have everlasting life, right? It's like so obvious, right? You find everlasting life in Jesus. I started reading this text a, a few weeks ago just trying to prepare us on our journey through, through Acts and just doing our natural breaks. And I came across this and I'm like, it's so interesting because you read that they're on a mission journey, right? Paul and Silas, um, they're, they're going out and they're sharing the gospel. Uh, we see Luke is with them, right? That's, we, we talked about this last week, how it now says us because Luke has joined them on this journey. And many others, they're, they're going and sharing the gospel. And it says that this, this slave girl who had a spirit of divination, she follows them around, and she cries out, these men are servants of the Most High God. I'm like, amen. This, this little girl's doing this, right? Who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. Amen. And it says, Paul, becoming greatly annoyed, commanded a spirit out of her. And I read that, and I'm like, man, is that why my daughter repeats so much? Like, you know, Dad, did you know? Dad, did you know? Dad, did you know? Dad, can you get me some water? Dad, can you get me some water? I'm like, leave this girl now, right? Like, I'm, I read here in Acts 16 that Paul became annoyed and just casted a spirit out, right? But there's, there's so much more to this. So the public service announcement is don't try and cast demons out of your children just because they repeat themselves a lot. This is very clear what was going on with this girl. This girl was physically and spiritually bound. And again, the point here is that we are free from bondage in Christ Jesus. We are free, not just from physical bondage, right? We, we may actually be bound physically. Like we see here in just a little bit that Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. They are bound. But our freedom is so much greater than that of physical freedom. But she is both physically and spiritually bound because she has a demon. She's got a spirit in her, and it's not good. It says that, that this was a slave girl who's following them who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling um, about the spirit of divination. R.C. Sproul and other commentaries, uh, commentators note that this is known as the, the python spirit, um, so it's a serpent type of spirit, um, we know that Jesus is crushing the serpent's head, so it's really interesting here as they know. But also the term originally referred to a mythical serpent, right, believed to guard the temple and oracle of the uh, Greek god Apollo. Later the phrase meant a demon-possessed person or even a ventriloquist. I was talking with uh, some of the, the guys that got here early this morning, like, could you imagine being a ventriloquist in that time? Like, you come up with, like, the first joke, and they're like, he's got the spirit of Python. Like, let's take him out. But they also note that the people of Philippi must have thought of her as having a demon that could tell fortunes. They knew, the people, the Christians, the pagans, they knew that this girl had a demon and that she was fortune-telling as she was possessed by this spirit. This isn't just some like cute little scheme, right, where it's like, you know, hey, tell somebody that they're, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Tell them of their good fortune that they're going to find somebody and get married, right? Like, we, we love to hope and, and wishful think and, and a lot of these fairy tale stories. So we'll play like Cupid, right? And we'll give people hope. This wasn't that cute little thing. This little girl was controlled by a demon. So then, well, what's wrong with her statement? Well, first off, 
just saying the Most High God could have been linked to Zeus, who was seen as a god. Could have been linked to other false gods and false things and idols that people would worship. Proclaim to you the way of salvation. There are many so-called ways of salvation. There are many other most high gods. For the recording's sake and everybody else, I'm, I'm doing this, right? It's not real. There's no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way to salvation. We'll see that here in a minute. But what was happening was, was her false teaching, her demonic fortune-telling is being now associated with the gospel message as it's going forward. And what we don't want is people to be deceived and think that Jesus is tied to Zeus. We don't want people thinking that Jesus is tied to demons. We don't want think, people thinking Jesus is tied to our sinful ways. And she's following them around. And actually what she's doing is becoming a hindrance to the gospel. And what's, what's beautiful is they don't just quit it and like just knock her out. They cast the demon out of her. They cast this spirit out so that she is no longer bound. She's got this reputation of being a fortune teller. And their annoyance is simple, right? The problem that they have with her is simple. Their message is being associated with this demon-possessed, fortune-telling slave girl. I think I have Mark uh, 134 up here, but this happened in, in Jesus' time as well. It says, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Jesus didn't even give them room to speak. Jesus didn't even be, like, become associated with this message. James talks about how demons know who Jesus is. They believe in him. They don't believe in a salvific way, but they know his deity is real, and they want to deceive. And what better way to deceive than to associate demonic powers with the power of the Most High Triune God? And that's what was happening. What do they do? They cast it out in the name of who, church? Jesus. Becoming greatly annoyed, Paul turned and said to the Spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So this girl who, who was, who was um, demon-possessed is no longer. Now, it stinks because she's out of a job, right? Like, this, this is actually an issue. This is going to be why they get thrown into prison. Because these slave owners were no longer going to make money off of this girl because she had no demon possessing her, but she was now... Free. And by what name? The name of Jesus. By whose power? The power of the Almighty God. Church, we too, if we believe in Jesus, are free. Nothing else has dominion over you. I think it's important to note, I don't have it on the screen. But you, you turn from one thing to the other, right? We are free. And then we become slaves to righteousness. 
you go and you read uh, Romans 6, put it down for, for homework for you tonight. We read about being set free from the dominion of sin. We are no longer slaves to our passions. We're no longer slaves to our sin. It says death no longer has dominion over him in, in verse 9 of Romans 6. Then it goes on and Paul talks about what then are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace by no means. He says in verse 16 of Romans 6, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, were, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We are not just set free, trying not to get too far ahead of myself. We are set free by the power of God and for the glory of God. That God is displaying his power in you and through you by setting you free. And praise be to God for it. And we are not just set free from bondage. We're not just set free from, from um, being bound by the wages of sin which brings about death. We are also free from death. Point number two. We are free from death. And in this life, that, that is something we need to hear. In this world that we live in now, when, when people are, are fearing death, and it doesn't matter what side you are on, death is inevitable. We are all going to face death. And guess what? Death is not natural. It's something that I think we forget a lot. And, and Brother Addison texted me uh, this past week talking about that. Death is is not natural. It was not what God intended. God did not intend Adam and Eve to die in the garden. No. And those in Christ Jesus will face physical death, but will go on to later receive our glorified bodies and live to praise God for eternity. And those who don't know him will wish they were dead and, and annihilated, right? We don't believe in annihilation. There's this doctrine of, like, annihilation where you believe that, oh, if I don't believe in Jesus, then I'm just incinerated. That's just it. No. It's the sting of death over and over. But we in Christ Jesus, you today in Christ Jesus, if you've not believed in the gospel, can be set free from bondage and from death. And that's good news. Verse 19, so after casting this demon out, and this is what I was saying, like, could you imagine this girl goes out and makes you tons of money, right? Like, it's, it's your way of scheming people, making money. This demon's inside of her. But it says, but when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the markets, marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in, uh, into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Man, like, yeah, we face persecution here, right? 
And, like, we, we go through things, like people not wanting to talk to us and not wanting to go have Starbucks with us, and they don't want to have dinner with us anymore. And then we read things like this, and we're like, they were beat. Why? Because they stole somebody's business? No. Because they were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they cast a demon out in the name of Jesus so that this little girl would be free and the gospel would advance and God's glory would be displayed. See, think about that. All of the community now knows that these guys are scam artists, the slave owner, right? They know that they are scam artists. They know that they were using this this girl, the demons out of her. She had had this demon for long enough for the people to know. And now, by the name of Jesus, is set free. The only fortune she had to share was the fortune found in Christ Jesus. And it was because of this that they seized Paul and Silas by lies, lying about them. There was no truth to this. It says these men are Jews. That, that is true, right? Okay, you got it. You started with the truth. And they are disturbing our city. Yeah, I, I believe that the gospel is a disturbance. It's a disturbance to our sinful ways, but it's a good disturbance. Because it is changing us for our good and God's glory. Amen? It says they advocate, this is where it gets real twisted. They advocate customs that are not lawful, lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. This has been a political battle, even in Jesus' life. For whatever reason, Jesus was made to be this political leader who was going to go and defeat the Romans and set the Jews free physically. But our freedom is spiritual. This battle, the waging war for people's souls, is spiritual. Because those who have physical success may be eternally and spiritually damned for all of eternity. And those who are, seem to be physically bound in this life will be spiritually free, and their riches are stored in heaven. This is just so backward. They were twisting the gospel message to try and stop the gospel from advancing. So then the crowd joins in. And not just like in chanting, not just in accusations. They beat them. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off them and gave them orders to beat them with rods. Right? Like I'm from West Virginia. You know, like, you get beat with whatever they can grab, right? But there's no order, right? Like, there's no premeditated beating of, like, the, the kids, right? It's like, what'd you just say? Stick, whack, right? Like, what'd you just say? Like, book, whack. Coffee, thrown. Like, whatever you can get. And we learn, right? A couple bumps and bruises, and you just move on. You learn not to talk back. You learn not to do what is wrong. You learn to do what is right. They had orders to beat them. And it says when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they throw them into prison. Like, could you imagine, like, not even being able to, like, lay down? Like, with a beating like that, like, bruised and beaten? It'd be miserable. Plus, it's already a miserable place to be. And it says about midnight in verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want to stop for a second. This is, this is just something special. That in their affliction, in their beating, they are praising God. 
bloodied and bruised and beaten. They're singing hymns to God. This is uh, the, the, uh, in Philippi, right? Paul writes to the Philippians. Paul writes that from prison. And you know what Paul says to them again? Rejoice. And again, I tell you, rejoice. Man, Paul teaches us much to think about our affliction and our linking to Christ. That in our sufferings, that we are brought closer to our Lord and Savior. It says in suddenly in verse 26, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Why? Because death was inevitable for this man. Death was coming. Had the prisoners all gotten out, he would have been tried, and he would have been killed for what happened. He's not going to go through all this. But Paul, in verse 28, cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He takes care of them. Probably one of the men that was beating them is now cleaning their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This man was going to resort to death because of the situation he found himself in. Church, that's what sin will do. That's what this broken and fallen world will do. It will lead you to despair. And Christ will bring to you salvation. See, God meets us where we are. The jailer wasn't out looking for God. The jailer wasn't out doing anything good. The jailer had wrongfully thrown in by order, but he still followed through, threw these men in for proclaiming the goodness of God, the gospel of God. And salvation met him where he was. Life for him spiritually, began where death was what he sought. He was about to draw the sword on himself when Paul cries out, do not harm yourself, we are all here. Like I'd have been like, nope, mm -mm." like the lights are off. Like it's a scary situation anyways, right? I know about you all, I don't like dark, right? I don't do that. We got like an Amazon, like Alexa plug now and I go out to the backyard, I can click on from my phone, and then I can go out to the backyard. I'm scared that there's a raccoon that's going to get me. I'm scared of the squirrels at our house. Um, we've got, they, they stand on top of the garage in, in a pack, and they hover over me when I'm getting out of my car. I don't know what to tell you all, but I'll take a picture next time because it's intimidating. So I think in the dark that, that this is a scary situation. And this man has prisoners, not just two wrongfully convicted Christians who are sharing the gospel, but he's probably got legit people, and they're all there. Talk about the providence of God 
the care of God, the sovereign God at work. And then this man is met with the gospel and his eternity is changed forever. He is no longer in despair, but he is free from death. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 56 and 57 says this. It says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we can say death wears your sting. It has no grip on you. It has no power over you. And by what means? By believing in the Lord Jesus. It is all about Jesus. The little slave girl was was freed from the Spirit by the name of Jesus. When this man asked, when this jailer asked them, what must I do to be saved? See, it's interesting. They knew the message that these two men were proclaiming. Because when push came to shove, when it, when it hit the ceiling, right? His question isn't, why didn't you all leave? He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Now, this means that they were proclaiming to his household also. Your family, too, brother, can be saved by believing in Jesus. And we are free from this bondage of this world, the bondage of the sin. It no longer has dominion over us, though it still fights for us. It still fights so that our witness will not stand true before people, tries to diminish your witness by creeping in and making you look like someone who is still bound to sin and not bound to sanctification. And our Lord, who sanctifies us, is fighting we are free from that bondage, we are free from death, and we are free to live freely for Christ. Last point. Like sometimes we, we take our freedom, as, as Paul talks about in, in Romans, to just go and do whatever we want. But Romans, he says that we're still slaves. Because he says that you're either a slave to the flesh or you're a slave to righteousness. You're a slave to your sin and to your ways and the, the nature of your ways before you knew Christ, or you're a slave to righteousness. See, Christ set us free so that we wouldn't do what we want, but that we would do what God intended, us to glorify him. Each and every person, you were created to glorify God. And Christians ought to realize that, having been freed from bondage, having been freed from death, to live freely for Christ. It says, uh, but when it was day, in verse 35, the magistrates uh, sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Paul says, uh-uh. He said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come out themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and did what, church? 
apologized to them and took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, who was saved previously. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. This church is born. This church is written to later. But what Paul does here is so important. He is setting it up so that Christians can live freely for Christ. Because they've been freed, not just physically, like Paul and Silas' experience, but spiritually. And it is our freedom in Christ that calls for us to go and to proclaim his goodness and live freely for him. Paul pulled out, Paul could have left, right? Like, if you put me in jail, I don't care what you say. If you say you're free to go, I'm going, right? If you say you got to go out here and you've got to, like, just yell or sing some goofy song, right? Or you got to go and, and be a contestant on The Voice, right? Like, it'd be terrible. But I would do anything to get out of the jail. Paul says no. And you know what else he does? Oh, hey, by the way, guys, I'm a Roman citizen. That was a big deal. They thought they were just messing with the Jews. The Jews were the ones who were the easy ones to bully. But Paul pulls out his Roman citizenship knowing that it's going to carry weight. Why would he do that? Because he doesn't want them to get bullied when he leaves. This was an example that we as Christians, we're not doing anything wrong. We are proclaiming salvation to the world. Amen. We are proclaiming that Jesus sets us free from bondage and from death. And if people can't get with that, then they can get going. If they want to push us back, if they want to be disrespectful, if they want to be mean, if they want to resort to this, church, we're not there yet, but there's going to be a day when we get there. If you go to another country, if God calls you there, you're going to put yourself in this position. People may beat you, but we are still to live freely for Christ. Don't fall back. Push forward. Paul doesn't beat them back. Paul doesn't say, hey, you whipped me so many times, I'm whipping you. He says, no, we are not playing this game. You publicly humiliated us. Now you're going to take us out publicly. He says they apologize. This is kind of like with, with friends. And I think this is something that a lot of us need to hear. With friends, we, like, make jokes, right? And, like, that's cool because we're friends. And, like, we can joke with one another. We tease. But then, like, it's like you bring in that third party who doesn't really know your friend that well. Like, for instance, I'll give you all an example. Pastor Mark can't swing a baseball bat. Hey, easy, guys. Easy. I didn't finish the story yet. But before I do, you can laugh. So if Pastor Mark and I are hanging out, and I'm like, yeah, you can't swing a bat. And then Jaden's there, and he's like, <laughs> you can't swing a bat. And Mark's like, dude, that's not funny. You're like, you're not my friend, right? What, what happens is it becomes a trickling effect because then other people think that they can give them a hard time. And, and it goes from joking to making fun of and just downright right, being a jerk, right? Because it just goes too far. Now, you can still, I think you've, you've allowed people to make fun of that, so you guys can make fun of that. We all have our faults. But what happened here was Paul was like, we're going to be departing. And if, if the public doesn't see that we were set free and that you all were the ones who were wrong, then Lydia and these other brothers and sisters that he encourages as they depart, then they're going to be beaten, they're going to be shamed, they're going to be ridiculed, and then they're going to be silenced because they're going to be afraid. Church, we have no reason to be afraid. Because we have eternity set aside because of what Jesus did for you. And that is good news. 
Maybe today you're sitting here and you're like, I don't, I don't have that freedom. You do. In Christ Jesus, you do. 1 Peter 2.16. We're just going to go through these verses, Bill. I'm just going to go one, one to the next. 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as people who are what, church? Free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. The next verse. Galatians 5.1, which Galatians is dealing with a lot of legalism, right? It's a circumcision being tied to salvation. Paul's like, no, anybody who adds to the gospel, let them be accursed, right? And then he says later, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand for, firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Next one, Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Our freedom has been given to us in Christ Jesus to glorify him through many different means, through, through the Great Commission, through uh, sanctification, through, through witness, through discipleship, all kinds of things. But we are to live freely for Christ, not for the flesh. And then those of you who are here this morning maybe don't know Jesus. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. You're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, and you're like, I don't have that freedom, so I can't do any of the things you said. Then I would say that you are the jailer right now, and maybe you don't want to ask how you, you can be saved, but I'm going to tell you this morning that the only way you're going to be saved is by believing in the Lord Jesus. Now that, that is packed. Those few words, believe in the Lord Jesus means confess with your mouth, Romans 10, uh, 9. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. That's not, Jesus is just a man. That means that Jesus is Lord. And then you think about the implications of Jesus' death on the cross, that God did what only God could do. Took the eternal wrath of the Father so that those who believe would not perish. So confess your sin this morning and believe in Jesus and your eternity begins now. You'll face a physical death, yes. But you go on. And you go on and you praise God for all of eternity. And here this morning, church, if you're a believer, you leave and you go and you tell people about this freedom. You invite them to this Super Bowl evening so that they can see the church on the move and what we do and what we look like and what we believe and how we live it out. And we do life together. We disciple one another. This freedom is not this freedom on Sunday mornings that we get to worship without the FBI busting in. This freedom is that we get to, because God has done something in you, we get to go and proclaim his goodness, knowing that they can take us out. Not out of the building. They can take us out of this world. But we will be with the Lord. Amen. Church, go ahead and stand. We're going to sing one last song. But that freedom is crucial for us to understand. That, that freedom is crucial for your gospel witness. Cling to that freedom and use it not for sin, not for excuse, but for the glory of God. Press on. Because in Christ, we are free. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning that we've had to, to dive into your word, and I pray that you would just continue to work in us and through us. God, I pray that you would use each and every person here. God, to, to those who you've saved, God, I pray that we would take this message and go and share of its goodness. We would share that the gospel sets us free. 
God, and it's in our, in our witness and in our evangelism, it turns to discipleship, and we would do what your word says, teaching believers to observe all that you've commanded. We would go and proclaim your truth to the nations. And God, help us to see the freedom that we have in you this morning. God, I pray that you would just continue to grow us together. God, not just numerically, but spiritually together, that we would be united on the gospel. God, and I pray for those who don't know you yet, God, that you would draw them to yourself and we could celebrate their salvation and teach them all that you have commanded. Father, we thank you for who you are, what you've done, and continue to do. Just pray your blessing on this congregation and on this town. God, pray that you would just push this darkness back and this evil. God, I pray that you would just unite people, both sides alike. We would be united to be able to talk. Pray that you would open those doors to have fruitful discussion. God, and that we would seek out your glory to make the name of Jesus known to each and every corner of the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Let's sing.